All right. Yuri, thanks for uh thanks for hopping on, man. You're you're the uh the first guest we've had. That's awesome. Thank you for the invitation. Really good to see you again after so many years. After almost 15 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've just I think we've just chatted or emailed every once in a while. Um Yeah, we are so in touch we are in touch on Facebook, but I mean face to face and I mean at least uh, one camera has been 15 years at least. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And uh I guess a little background is that we we actually met way back in 2004. 2004, right? We both worked at Dell and uh you and along with uh, some other folks uh, came on to the group uh, at, with the group that we worked at at Dell mm -hmm. yep. um, on the Microsoft team. So, yeah. So, and, and one of the first things that I learned about you is that you're a big Iron Maiden fan. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've been listening to Maiden since I was 11 and I'm, I'm 45 <laughs> now. So it's been a really long time. Uh, and I've been actually following the band for a really long time. Uh, so Maiden is uh, is part of my my life, basically. Do you remember what the uh, most current album was when you started listening? What year What year was that? So my first record was Made in Japan, uh, which was back oh, wow. in the 80s. Uh, it was the tour. Was it still with Paul Diane on the vocals? Uh, yep. It was the tour of uh, Killers. Um, it was right after Killers. They went to Japan and they recorded Made in Japan. So that was my first record. Uh, I was really young. Uh, but to be very honest, what really attracted me on Maiden, because I never heard that uh, that type of music, was the, the, the cover, right? Eddie. So Eddie yeah. was actually the first impact. <laughs> what drew me to buy the record was Eddie, I'll be very honest. And I, when I, I listened to the record, I was that's great. I love it. So. It's so true, man. They're, those their art artwork is it's kind of like Megadeth and Vic, you know. Like it's it's so eye catching, especially when you're a teenager. I think when you're young and it's just like, oh, this is so cool. Before I ever had heard anything from Iron Maiden, I think we talked about this a little last time, uh, Vic. Like I I grew up in the very much like with under this impression, oh, metal, satanic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you listen to this stuff now, and it's just comical. You know, it's it's not it's, it, but like that was my idea or what i was fed as to what something like iron maiden was but i always as a kid without even ever hearing the music i was just like oh, it was just so fascinating just seeing the artwork just seeing the right. album covers you know yes. yeah yeah eddie eddie and and the whole idea behind eddie according to to the band is that they were never really into be part of the front cover you know like other bands do so they they were really strong on the artwork they need to have this mascot that was that represents the band so it's good because it never ages you know it's really an amazing yeah. idea and, and and started everything megadeth got the mascot idea also from from eddie because it's really a, a really great point mm -hmm. Yeah, those are definitely some some big draws for me as well. The uh, the Killers album cover, I remember that. This uh, is what I miss today with all the electronic music, Spotify, and all that. I I still buy uh, vinyls. I still buy the records just because I like the experience of opening. I still oh, have yeah. vinyls and and mine vinyls because are big, not like CDs as very small, you know. So I buy a lot. Still buy a yeah. lot. That that somewhere in time cover was awesome because it had a lot of pop culture references. 
Oh, it's, a... It, there is a whole Wikipedia page only on Somewhere in Time explaining oh, wow. all the details of... Yeah. Because if you start looking at it, there is a lot of reference to other songs, right? There is, there are, there is the Power Slave part, there is 22 Acacia Avenue. There is lots of reference of other songs uh, before Somewhere in Time. Yeah. Was that 87 when that one came out? Uh, the Somewhere in Time, it was... 86, uh, I think? Uh, no, so it was 86, exactly. Yeah. 86, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Seventh Son was 88. 88, yeah. Okay. Yeah, those, yeah. Are the, those are the first ones I remember, yeah. But 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 uh, I'm telling you, you guys here are very spoiled because in Brazil, <laughs> during that time, for us to get the record, we have to wait months before it was released, right? Because it, it took really long time. So... We knew it was out, but until it gets there, it'll be at least six months. So um, when uh, when I, I moved to U.S. in 2003 and I was able to get everything like instantaneously, it was just amazing to the access to the things that I didn't have growing up in Brazil. Right. Yeah. Did, did they do any touring in Brazil before? Um... The, the first tour was Rock and Rio, Rock during, and Rio. Okay. during the Power Slave uh gotcha. tour uh which was uh 80 uh, uh powers was 84 rock and Rio was 85 right because that was that was their huge world tour with uh and they had that live album live after death exactly right? yep okay yep. yep well cool man so so maiden's been pretty big in your life uh you yep. talked about coming from brazil what where, where did you grow up in brazil so I grew up in the northeast part of Brazil in a place called Fortaleza. Uh, it, it was uh, it's a very nice place. It's a beach place. I used to live uh, 10 blocks from the beach. Uh, that's why when I moved to US, I wanted a, a place that was really hot. Uh, so Texas was perfect for me. Um, uh, so that's um, when I left Fortaleza, it was actually the first time that I left Brazil. So it was very... Tough moment, and there is a there is a, a a song because when I moved, uh, Maiden just released the Dance of Death uh, album. I moved in two thousand three, and Dance of Death was in two thousand three, right? So I was listening right. that record, Dance of Death, a lot. And there is a, a song called Rainmaker that I remember listening to that song when I received the the, the proposal to move. And there is a part of the song that says, uh, "I had a feeling that my life would never be the same again." And man, that 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 sentence was in my head all the freaking time. And it was exactly what happened. My life changed completely. <laughs> right. <laughs> so probably, like you said, big culture shock or just a big, huge difference coming from Brazil uh, to the U.S. where you have access to like a whole bunch of other things that, that would yeah. normally take a, a little while longer to get there. Right. And not only that, but I moved uh, to U.S. December 2003. So it was uh, winter here. And uh, oh, wow. in my hometown in Brazil, we don't have winter. It's, uh, it's 75, 85 degrees all year long there is, because it's right below the equator line. So there is no winter, proper winter, right? So it's always 75, 85 all year long. So and it's worse than Texas. Uh well but this is no cool. but I mean seventy five I can deal with seventy five degrees yeah that's yeah but oh. it's cool wind you don't really feel right because it's close beach to the beach. climate yeah right yeah. no I love uh, that yeah yeah so it was it was cool it was never really dry hot but the problem is that I didn't really have clothes uh, proper clothes for a winter so I remember that um, my first day at Microsoft it was December eighteen two thousand three. I just walk uh, to Microsoft. It was 10 minutes walk, but I was freezing because I just have 
a normal shirt. I didn't have jacket or anything, right? So I was freezing walking and uh, shaking. And then a police car uh, uh, stopped by my side. And the police officer said, where are you going? I said, I'm, I'm going to work. I said, where is your car? I said, I don't have a car. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like, okay, come over here. Where do you work? I said, we're right there. So I'll give a ride. So he gave me a ride. Oh, that's awesome. It was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that's up in uh, Las Colinas, right? The, yeah. The camps yep. Las Colinas. Okay. Yeah. Cause it gets a little colder up there in, in Dallas. It does. It does. Yeah. It gets really cold in December, at least to me. <laughs> yeah. And I think, and if I remember correctly, you were working at Microsoft for a little bit. And then um, we did some recruiting at Dell. And then you, along with some other folks like uh, right. Andy. Right, it was uh, June. It was actually May two thousand four. Right. You guys did a job fair in Irving, and we heard about that job fair because since we were all contract, uh, and our contract was like one year contract, they were like, "Well, there is a job fair from Dell uh, right across the street. Uh, let's go there during lunchtime, do some interviews, and see how it goes." Because it's for two full time job, and uh, I remember being interviewed by Mike Schroeder, which oh, yeah. is, which today <laughs> is at at Microsoft as well. So oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was great, man. I mean, people, that team, it was really, uh, really nice. I, re I have really good memories from that team. I have uh, friends from that time that still friends with me today. Uh, Nan, uh, Moeller. Oh, yeah. I mean, yep. really good people. Yeah. Chuck and, and all those guys. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really good group. And man, you guys came in just, you know, knocking it out of the fence. I do, I do remember that because I came into the group and I was a little bit newer to that type of technical work and you guys were just running rings around me and you guys saved my butt a lot of times I do remember <laughs> but uh yeah that, that, that's cool and so and then so you were there you said until uh january 2006, 2006. yeah okay. that's when i came back to microsoft as a full-time uh full-time uh moved back to dallas yeah but the, but the, the 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 hardest part was the the first six months in U.S. because when I, I moved to U.S., I moved by myself. My my wife and daughter couldn't really move uh, during that time. Uh, so I had to wait in, uh, for six months. So for six months, I was living by myself uh, in an apartment at MacArthur in Irving. Mm -hmm. And um, it was basically an air mattress in the floor, a TV, and my computer. That's it. And I remember I have one spoon, one fork, and one plate. During six months, that's what I had. <laughs> man and then she arrived in june and yeah. i said look i just did an interview for this so now we're gonna have to move to round rock and she was like what i just arrived <laughs> so one month later we we, re, we we rent a truck and we moved to round rock wow man so it, it sounds like it's also you know coming from brazil to us it's pretty complex long process it sounds like just to just to get everything sorted out yeah, I mean, yeah. from the visa perspective, it was uh, tons of interview. It right. was really uh, a headache to get everything ready to 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 be here. You know, it's uh, it was this experience that I will never forget. But it was completely worth it. Uh, I I I'm, I feel like Texas. I feel Texas like home. I go to other state. I've I've been many other places up north, uh, east, but there is nothing like home in Texas. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and outside of the technical work, cause you've done a lot of stuff, um, you know, in the technical realm, uh, you 
you've written some books. I've, yeah, I've 22. <laughs> yeah, 22. 20, books. Yeah, just a couple, right? <laughs> some, some of them are behind me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, outside of that, another thing that caught my eye was this was this total transformation from when I knew you. Uh, next thing I know, you're just like cranking out just weights, like doing deadlifts and just all sorts of crazy stuff. And you, you changed, you did a mindset change. And I was wondering if you could tell us about that, that whole journey there. Yeah. So when I, first of all, everything started when I moved, right? Because when I moved to Mm -hmm. US, I I was really tunnel focused on get my career, uh, taking off. There was the whole English, uh, uh, adaptation and learning and and to be honest when i moved to work with you guys at Dell, it helped me a lot because i was forced to speak in english basically every time right because right. at microsoft i was working with a group of uh, uh of people from brazil so i was speaking portuguese for the most part so that was a big push uh, so i had to do that and then i at Dell, i was working on the second shift i don't know if you remember but i moved to the second yeah. shift so i was working I, I think until 10 o'clock in that night it was me stanley and um, we were not really concerned about eating healthy uh, for the most part because we, we were thinking about uh, career and all that. So the focus right. was the work, right? And I, I, it was that moment that everything started. So I basically gained a lot of weight on my first uh, between 2004 and 2010. So we were four years in which my career did take off, but I also gained a lot of weight. And... and um, and started having healthy issues, right? I, well, I remember at some point in my peak of my obesity, uh, the doctor said, look, you continue to, do, to go in this direction, you're going to die. I mean, he was clearly like that, right? I mean, I had started to develop uh, fatty around my liver. It was bad. And um, and I still didn't care. And, and the thing really started changing when my youngest uh, was born in 2008, that uh, by 2010, she was already two and she was running around the house and I just couldn't catch, right? I was getting tired. My knees were giving up. And then I met a, uh, a guy that until this day, I still working with him, Greg McCoy, uh, which is a bodybuilder coach. And he... And I, I came to him and said, look, I, I want to lose weight because I want to compete in a bodybuilding competition. I mean, that was very ambitious because look to a 280 pounds guy, 36% body fat, saying that he wants to compete. But he really motivated me saying, yeah, let's do it. Uh, so between 2011 and 2014, I, I basically shred uh, fat, right? So I lost 100 pounds. And uh, and then in 2014, I compete in bodybuilding for the first time in Pflugerville, uh, in a show in Pflugerville, and uh, it was a great experience. I didn't I didn't win anything. I actually got less place on this show, but I was happy because I accomplished the goal, which was to step on stage before my 40s, and and I was 39 at that at that time. Um, so that's that's the whole a summary of uh, what happened but the mindset changed since then because now it became more like a lifestyle and then in 2015 i said now i want you to place on top three and then i did i got second place and in 2016 i won my first show um so you know i believe a lot on the continuous improvement process and continue to work to to achieve the best and uh 
and I applied this not only in my career at Microsoft, which which really is is doing very well, uh, and but also from the physical standpoint, right? Uh, right. I can always improve. There is always opportunity to improve. Right. That's that's really fascinating, man. That you like kind of right out the gate when you did when you made that decision, you you were just like, I want to compete. Like you, it, it wasn't something you. I mean, you sort of set your mind to a big goal right from the onset when you made when you decided to make that change, huh? Yeah, there is a background story of that because when I was 16 years old, uh, my first job was in a gym in Brazil. I was uh, the guy that uh, woke, woke up 5 a.m. and went to the gym to clean up the machines, to clean everything uh, because I want a free gym membership. So uh, after cleaning everything, I went to work out. So since I was on my teenagers, I wanted to compete mm, in bodybuilding, okay. right? So I saw this happening in the US. I, I went to some shows just to watch because I was always uh, enthusiastic. Uh, and I knew that bodybuilding will give me the discipline to execute uh, the plan to to get there. So, so, so you have an idea. On the first year that I lost 100 pounds, I ate the same meal during one year entirely. I was going what? to parties with my Tupperware. I was going to Thanksgiving yeah. with my yeah. Tupperware. I mean, it was the whole week eating the same thing. What wow. uh, What was your diet essentially? So it was uh, eight, 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 eighteen hundred calories a day, six meals a day, eating every three hours. Uh, so it was around six sixty percent uh, protein, twenty uh, percent uh, fat, and twenty percent carbs. Basically, the basically stuff like egg whites, uh, chicken, broccoli, brown rice, uh, very simple, very, but effective, mm -hmm. very mm -hmm. simple, but right. effective, you know. And uh, on the first, I, I, I'll be honest, on the first two, uh, first month, actually, I was going crazy because since I was eating basically Wendy's and McDonald's every day, uh, because I was working as a second chief at Microsoft as well, and uh it was almost like a drug addict when you remove the drug, right? I was shaking. Yeah, I was, all the sugar, uh, especially. I yes, think. I was yeah. crying, man. I was really, it, was, it yeah. took, uh, the first month was terrible, terrible. And then my body, my body started to get used to, but at the beginning, it, was, it, was, it came to a point that my, my wife said, I, I think you should stop this. This is driving you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Victor and I have had this conversation before where, uh, you know, and unfortunately not recently, but, but in, when you're in the phases of, of working out and paying attention to nutrition and really sort of taking, taking that, that seriously, like it's amazing too how much more energy you have and yeah. how, how did, how quickly did that, did you find that changing to where you started having more energy, probably sleeping better? Yeah, really after, after three months, I lost 30 pounds. So I was, yeah. whoa, that's really works, wow. right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And I was feeling way more energy. Uh, the result of that was fantastic because I could be more focused on, on my work. My my mind was working better. Yeah. I was not sleepy all the time. I was not tired all the time. So it's, it's, a, it's a change that only brings benefits, to be honest. Yeah, the mental clarity is amazing once you, you know, just get that junk out of your diet. And, yeah. uh the, yeah, like you said, the downside is that you go through withdrawals and, you know, just whenever I'm on and, and eat healthy, I just get headaches for like a week of just yep. sugar withdrawals and things yep. like that. So, yeah, it's brutal. That's why I truly believe that uh, because everyone asks, uh, man, what are the secrets? Oh, the only secret is one, consistency. 
You, know, you right. cannot execute a plan for five days and expect that you have results. Give at least three months following the same protocol and then you're going to start to see big change because you really need a long time adaptation uh, uh, for your body start to to make big change. You know, people want to to get ripped in, in one week. That's crazy. I think, um, yeah, you have to go into that mindset because when the one time in my life when I really, uh, you know, turned that, you know, turned over a leaf and really got serious about it. I went into it with very, I, I just started real slow and walking and just that led to jaw. And then it just got, became a lifestyle and it became something I enjoyed. But it didn't make the mistake that we tend to make where you're just like, all right, I'm in, and then you go in the gym and you blow yourself out in a week and, you know, you just overdo everything. And then it's, mm-hmm. it's not something you look forward to. So I think starting slow with realistic expectations is, is kind of something you have to do, but you have to have that you have to know that you have a long-term goal and, and then just be willing to stick with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and, saying and I wrote, a, I wrote, a, you know. I wrote a book about that. One of my books, uh, one of the books that I wrote, most of the books not, uh, were about technology, but, uh, this one is called ready, set, achieve, uh, where I talk about this transformation a lot. Um, it's on, it's a, available at Amazon as well, paperback and, and ebook. Where, uh, where can people get that? Amazon. It's Amazon. on the Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Very cool. So, so you went through just this really cool, incredible journey, you, total body transformation. Um, and now you are, I noticed you're competing in some BJJ matches. Yes. So yeah. I started BJJ. <laughs> I started BJJ in, in June, 2018. Uh, because my daughter, she started doing it. So she was, she basically convinced me to do it. Um, and I like it. I like it. It's something that I always was supposed to do back in Brazil when I was 16 years old, my friends were doing, but I was more focused on bodybuilding during that time and, and didn't really pay attention. So it was good to, to, uh, to, to see and to experience, but as I'm very competitive, competitive and, and I'm uh, go driven, I was like, I want to compete on this thing as well. Uh, so in January 2019, I was still a white belt and I went to my first competition and got crushed. But I was like, damn, that was uh, something else. The experience of someone trying to hurt you, <laughs> it, it was really different, right? Uh, yeah, and I said, yeah, and I was like, well, I want to do this. I, I want to compete. I want to win now. So I, I right. compete in as a white belt in the Dallas Open in May 2019, and I won. Uh, so that was my first winning. Um, and then I started doing, right? I, I competed in Houston last year. On uh, still, I was still a white belt. I won. And right before COVID this year, March 2020, I went to Houston now as a blue belt, and I competed again, and I won. So uh, it's it's good, man. It's good. It's very it's a completely different adrenaline. It's way right. more adrenaline than bodybuilding because bodybuilding, you do all your work before you go to stage. When you go to stage, everything is done. There is nothing else for you to do. Now you just need to show your muscles. You need to know how to pose and you need to show to present yourself. But you're not battling with someone else, uh, you know, wrestling or anything. I mean, the work is done. In jiu right. is different. In jiu-jitsu, you, a simple mistake can define the match, right? So it, it is, it's five minutes of very intensity. 
and, and focus on at that moment is 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 incredible. Are you uh, <clears throat> with these matches? Are you is it uh, grappling only, or is it more like MMA? Are you is no, there it's striking? Not, there's no, no, there's grappling. No right, right, okay, right, right, right. We start standing, uh, um, and then we, as a jiu-jitsu fighter, always uh, take down to go to the floor, uh, and then it's a ground game at that point, right? Mm-hmm. And there are points, depends on the, on the position, you know, there is a, a point system, or you can submit. If this, the person taps, you you win. Right. Yeah, yeah I did a, very little of that um, many, many years back. And I, I'm, well, especially being from Brazil. Are you from Brazil? I'm sorry, I missed that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Originally yeah. from there. So I'm sure the Gracies were just a huge thing down there. Huge, in the huge. And huge. for me here, when UFC started, the very original UFCs in the, you know, maybe, what was it, early 90s maybe. And I was yeah. a huge Hoist Gracie fan. And, yeah. Uh, in fact, my dog, I think you remember my dog. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Rottweiler named, named yep. Hoist, you know. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was really into that and, and did a little bit of jujitsu back in, in the 90s. And, and, yeah, you're right. It's the, very much an adrenaline rush and, and very little room for for error, you know. Yeah. You think uh, five minutes is like, oh, five minutes, I have cardio enough. I do CrossFit. I do, do, oh, I do that. Yeah. No, five minutes <laughs> grappling. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, like, yeah, like a freaking eternity, you know. Oh my gosh! So you probably had to change your tra- uh, your training regimen. To, I did, to, I did yeah. because okay. uh, uh, I need more explosion. I need more cardio. Uh, so I backed down a little bit of uh, of lifting heavy uh, and and incorporate a little bit more cardio. Um, so the ch- the training change. I do like to lift heavy, uh, so I still have some heavy days uh, throughout the right. week. Uh, but for the most part, uh, there is a, a, a change. Now, this year, I'm trying to challenge myself. My, I'm working with Greg. He's still my coach. Uh, I'm try- challenging myself to not only compete in, in BJJ, but also bodybuilding as well. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm going to give at least two months in between competitions to be able to change diet, change strategy. Uh, because with bodybuilding, you don't want to burn a lot of calories. With BJJ, you do want to burn more calories. Yeah. Right. I wonder, would those sync up somewhat near to each other if you were sort of preparing for a bodybuilding competition? And you're, that's in that stage, right? You're sort of past the heavy lifting, doing a lot of reps, really trying to to tone down or get, you know what I mean? Like burn a lot of calories. Is that, um, and you would be more in that sort of vein for. Yeah. But eating, the, pro- right? the problem with uh, bodybuilding when it comes closer to the, what we call the peak week, which is the week before the competition is that you are very weak, mm. you know, because you are starting to have way, very little carbs uh, on the last week prior to the competition, there is the whole dehydration process. So you are on stage smiling and everything, but you are destroyed. You go backstage mm-hmm. and you are like, uh, you know, very tired. Right. Uh, people see bodybuilders on stage. That is the moment that they are most the, the most weak uh, because of the, the whole dehydration thing. Wow. Do you have any particular bodybuilders that are uh, uh, favorites or primary influences in that sport yeah i, I think my the, my main influence was arnold always arnold schwarzenegger because uh, growing up in brazil watching conan uh commando those were the the, the big influence you know yeah. now uh, and he he's still to me one of the the most perfect physique uh of all times uh 
Uh, nowadays, I really don't have uh, a, a preferred uh, bodybuilder. Uh, I still look after the 90s. The, the 90s had a really good, like Dorian Yates. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, and of course, Ron Coleman, the freak, uh, yeah. which I had many, I had the opportunity to meet many times. Uh, was Ron yeah, Coleman the the one that he was a police officer, or yes. I don't know if he still is, right? Um, yeah, he was. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I I think that those those are uh, the, the main ones. Uh, Ronnie, uh, Dorian, Arnold uh, were the main ones. Uh, Ronnie already now on the nineties and and two thousands, but. Uh, Back in the day in Brazil, it was definitely Arnold. But re- what really inspired me, it's funny, because what really inspired me to move to US was Rocky Balboa, right? Because mm. uh, watching Rocky, you know, running in uh, those stairs in Philadelphia and have a shot to fight Apollo uh, and the, the land of opportunity and all that stuff, that really what inspired me. I was like, wow, man, that place is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so Rocky, yeah, every, uh, I still listen to the soundtrack to Rocky when I train, yeah. when I need, when I need uh-huh. motivation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Get you going. Yeah, I was gonna ask what 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 uh, what's the music in your headphones when you're? We would well, thought, we would thought Iron Maiden, but now it's Rocky. That's no, yeah, I mean Rocky <laughs> I and the Tiger. Rocky is on the days that I'm down, like I need some punch, you know, to right. to. So I listen to. Uh, mainly the Rocky Four soundtrack. I love that soundtrack from Rocky Rocky Four, which is the one that he he fights Drago. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah that soundtrack is amazing to me. Uh, but my playlist for the most part, what I have is Slayer. Uh, yeah. I have Arch Enemy uh, as well. Um, I have uh, Creator. I have Sepultura. Awesome. Uh, Cavalera Conspiracy, uh, which is uh, yeah. from, from the Max, uh, from the Cavalera Brothers. So I have heavy stuff, really, because I only know how to work out if I'm listening to something really, Seriously. really heavy. Yeah. I've always had, uh, yeah, that's when you go into it. It's for me, that's such a motivating factor having that, that music that just really fires you up and put, yeah. you know, when you're in a, I, I don't know how people do it with the like dance pop techno something going, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like some sort of like Britney Spears yeah. going in the gym. I'm just, I'm not motivated to yeah. like bench press with, you know, yes, exactly. <laughs> sleep not yeah. as well. I have a, yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. I'll, I'll throw on, I'll throw on a couple of classics like that. Slipknot, Slayer, uh, Mastodon has made it. Listen to a lot of mass recently. I started learning to like some musics from Ramstein. Uh, okay, uh, yeah. There are some 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 interesting uh, musics. Uh, the the last records that they have a, a a song called Deutschland. I really like that song. Seems like the in, the industrial aspect would be good for uh, weightlifting too. A very pulse, very sort of like yeah. uh, you know. Pulse. Yeah, even even <laughs> even even some stuff that Slipknot does, right? This last record from Slipknot has really some uh, uh, good songs, and I had the chance to go to this uh, latest tour here in Dallas because they they were in Dallas last year, so I was I was there to see it. What? Yeah, that, what? that's something that I'm missing a lot with this whole COVID stuff is going to concerts because yeah, last year, last uh, last couple of years, I saw Judas Priest here in Dallas. Uh, I saw Scorpions, which is although it's more melodic, but I like the the old Scorpions. Uh, uh, who else? And tracks, they were here too. Oh, yeah. uh, of course, Iron Maiden was here as well, um, two years ago. 
Was that uh, San Antonio where you saw them? No, Dallas. They were here in Dallas. Oh, they played Dallas. So, yeah, yeah. okay. They played yeah. Dallas, yeah. They, they played San Antonio, I think, sometime last year. In yeah, for, it was last year, right. Okay. Last year, they were here in Dallas. In 2018, I went to London to see their last concert of the, the tour. Because wow. I, was, I was like, well, I'm going to take vacation. I was going to take vacation to go to Italy anyway. I was like, man, what if I just fly to London at the end of the vacation, watch the concert, then fly back, right? So I, I arranged yeah. everything to to be at the O2 on the, the day of the last show of the Legacy of the Beast tour. And it was a whole different experience because they were playing at home, right? They were way more patriotic with the uh, England flag and uh, Bruce talking about war, the Churchill speech during Aces High. Man, it was beautiful. It was amazing. And the best part was that your pilot to and from was actually the singer of Iron Maiden as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dead Force One. <laughs> that guy's amazing, man. Speaking of Renaissance, you know, men, like that guy's. Yeah, Bruce is does, fantastic. Does a, yeah, does a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, I, and Bruce inspired me to look at life also from different angles, right? Because right. there are a lot of people that they focus only in one thing in life. They right. just want to be good at work. Everything else, they can be average or they can be just normal or not even have a hobby, right? I like to do different things. I play drums. Uh, I have my drums at home. Uh, I I did some shows with School of Rock. There's a School of Rock here. So I was uh, uh, doing some shows with them so i like to do multiple things right and everything that i do i like to do well uh so i'm i i'm i take serious uh, all the disciplines uh that i try to be part of it uh, i'm not as good on drums as my 12 years old daughter because she started playing drums when she was five and uh, she started playing drums properly looking to the notes and reading notes so she is extremely good i mean uh, two months ago, she did a show here uh, in, in South Lake with the School of Rock, and she was playing "Where He Goes There" from Iron Maiden, and that song is hard on drums. It's super. That's pretty hard. awesome. Twelve yeah. years old. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy how focused she is right now. She is she is learning uh, "We Rock" from Dio. She is learning "Rainbow in the Dark" and "Holy Diver." Uh, these are some of the songs on her set list for this season. Sounds like sounds like you're a good father. <laughs> I try to <laughs> getting getting her started on the right music. Yes, yes <laughs> definitely. And, and I, I like the fact that that um, you know you mentioned your first match where you lost, but it, and I think especially I mean we're I, me and Skunk were kind of chatting about this you know with with everything going on, just this mindset where you know, you take those experiences where you may not win, but you learn from it. You keep going, right. You motivate yourself. You keep, you know, you keep learning. So you take that approach, that, that aspect, that, that perspective, right. Rather than just kind of get fed up with it. And, and Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, know. I think that the moments, uh, the, the reality is that the moments that, uh, that we learn more are usually when we lose, uh, because uh, of course, if if you don't have a big ego, if you have a big ego, you're never gonna learn anyway. But if you don't have a big ego and you you use that chance that you lost to do a reassessment and see where you can improve and and learn from everything, 
it's a huge opportunity, you know. Uh, and since I recorded the, the 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 match, I watched that match 100 times. I, I think after that, and I start saying, "Why I did this wrong? I did this wrong, right?" So I watch with my professor. We work out the game plan. We 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 identify the mistakes and we improved, you know. Uh, and I try to do this everything uh, in, in every other thing, right? When I lost uh, my first bodybuilding competition that I got bad last place, I was like, wow, I'm happy because my goal was to be on stage, but damn, I want to have the feeling of putting a medal and be on top three and all that. So I start work on my weaknesses, right? Uh, start to work on the feedback because usually uh, people, uh, the referees, uh, the judges, they will give you feedback. So what I can improve, right? I need a bigger leg, I need a, a bigger bicep, whatever, so, right? So I start working on those improvements. That's how it should be. Uh, and at work right. as well, right? I, I have some uh, co-workers uh, in, in this role and in different roles at Microsoft that I mentor. There is a mentorship program. And I say, look, if you if you have a bad year and you got a bad review, you have two, two alternatives at that point, right? You can spend another year complaining about the previous year that you don't deserve that, that your manager sucks and everything. And, and then at the end of the year, you did nothing. Or you can be upset, of course, but start working on a plan to do better, right? It's your name that is, is on the line. It's your reputation. So there is no reason for you to not improve. Some people just don't, don't get that. I feel like it's kind of more inspiring, too, if I see someone who has, has met failure and came, you know, and didn't quit and kept, and then you say, well, they, they did it. You know what I mean? It's not mm -hmm. just some notion that, oh, well, they just, always were a winner you know what i mean or yeah, looking at it like yeah. that and so i think it's it's actually very inspiring to other people when someone has the perseverance to to do that and ultimately that's what what makes anyone successful yeah and i think and i and probably there is a little bit of rock bull on this mindset because watching rock as a kid he was losing he always lost i mean he lost on, on one i mean it was that's he right, lost to yeah. apollo right and uh, and he came back. So I always actually liked the underdog idea mm -hmm. of uh, rebounds after you lose. So uh, uh, the um, not winning to me, it was always an opportunity to wow, that's the time to 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 come back stronger. You know. Yeah, if I, if I think about it and, and read the history of Iron Maiden, kind of going back to that, they went through uh, the first iteration. They went through how many guitar players? Like, oh my God! There's so many. Like yeah, three, four, five. Uh, even it, this before the eighties, right? So yeah, Steve had started uh, the band probably on the seventy seventy four. Uh, it was seventy four, and then he had a bunch of guitar players. And if you watch the documentary early days, Steve was a guy that uh, if he was not for him, or maybe we would not exist because he was relentless. He was committed to make things right. Uh, so, for example, a guy didn't show up for the rehearsal and came up with a, uh, with a bad excuse. He would fire that guy and we looked for someone else. He was committed to make it work. Um, so, because people say Steve is the boss, but yeah, he is the boss because he actually made that band what it is. Yeah, I wonder if any of his drummers ever got their drumsticks caught in their hair. I don't know. <laughs> oh, talking about drums, I actually met uh, multiple times Nico McBrain because Nico, I'm not oh. sure if you know, he has a bar in uh, Coral Springs in Florida, right? It's called Rock and Roll Ribs. He lives there huh. uh, in Coral Springs. 
So three years ago, actually 2015, I went there because every year um, he used to, not, not anymore, but he used to uh, do a, a party to celebrate the anniversary of the, the, the bar. So he put a tent uh, in the parking lot and he played with his friends, a bunch of Iron Maiden songs and everything. So I, I flew there. Uh, I, I watched the show. I ate some, some ribs at the bar, pretty cool ribs. And then I met him, get autograph, picture and everything. And then on, on the year after that, I said, well, I need to bring my daughter, my family here. So I brought the whole family there. And, there was, and then something very special happened because my daughter, the one that she plays drum, she was right in front of the stage watching, right? So they fin he finished uh, uh, playing, he goes and starts talking because he talks a lot during this, uh, uh, this show. And when he is about to leave the stage, he look at her and say, here for you, sweetie, and give the two drumsticks to her. Man, that was like, I start crying. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> he literally gave it to her. He is sweetie. And she looked at me like impressed, like, oh, my God, you see that? <laughs> <laughs> Never will forget that. We still have the drumstick in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, you know, in the, in the, in our Iron Maiden room because we have a whole Iron Maiden room here in my house. Uh, so it's awesome. What a cool, inspiring moment. How long ago was that, you said? That was uh, 2017. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you also got a picture with Steve Harris, too. I saw that. Yeah, Steve was this year because Steve has, oh, wow. a, uh, has a, a band, solo band called British Iron. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were on tour in the U.S. and they, they, they came to Dallas uh, and and the Steve is funny because Steve play in a huge place, but with this uh, this project that he has, this British uh, British uh, uh, Lion, it's all about small venues. So I'm not sure if you know in Dallas there's a place called Trees. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So they play at Trees. That's a small place, you know. They play at Trees, and after the show, he was hanging around taking pictures of the fans. I was like, my goodness, it was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That was in January, uh, right before the, the whole pandemic. Yeah. Trees is like the, the a place I aspire to play. And Steve Harris is like, I guess I'll play this little shack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, man. I, 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 my daughter uh, already played on uh, Hard Rock Cafe in Dallas. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I, I did play on Hard Rock Cafe in Dallas with the School of Rock. Um, that's the season that I played there. I played with um, the, it was uh, Led Zeppelin cover. Uh, so we play a whole lot of love. Uh, it was the biggest venue that I play. And uh, I was extremely nervous, of course. Uh, and of course, on the first song, my drumstick f uh, flew away. I, 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 lucky I have another one in my pocket. That makes uh, me feel so good because I can't hold a drumstick <laughs> to save my life. <laughs> I feel like I could be a decent drummer if I could hold on to my sticks. If your daughter has any pointers into how to hold drumsticks, I'll do a lesson sometime. <laughs> but you play guitar, right? Yeah, guitar and piano are my primary instruments. I, as a lot of, I think, whenever you play one instrument, you want to play something else, I think. So I, I, I dabble on the drums, uh, but uh, not, a, not a drummer. Yeah. No, it's, I, I really like it. It's very physical drum. I mean, I usually finish a show, I mean, sweating a lot. I mean, you know, really soak sweat. That makes me think of something. It's funny to me. I've always, there are a lot of drummers that are really, like, very out of shape. And it seems so bizarre that, you know, you get these just 
fat dudes that can just kill it on the drums because it takes so much stamina, you know, and, and mm-hmm. you would think you would be ripped and in great shape, but there's a lot of drummers that yeah. are very not. <laughs> but the, the thing is, uh, is what your body is conditioned to do. Usually those guys that are fat, they have a lot of experience. So also, they... I think, yeah, good technique probably requires exactly. less. Yeah. Yeah. Good technique, you know, proper posture. I mean, there's so many things. Sometimes they, they don't waste uh, so much energy uh, because of they are very technical. Who are some of your favorite drummers as a drummer? I love Nico uh, from Iron Maiden, of course. Uh, but uh, I think one of the best ones is Joe Bohan from Led Zeppelin. Uh, uh, I like Bill Ward from Black Sabbath. Uh, Bill Ward, uh, the, what he did with only a very small drum kit it was unbelievable back in the days with Sabbath. I mean, Sabbath, if you think about it, was really the father of heavy metal. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, they they created things without really reference, uh, so they it's amazing. Not to mention, I I want to say their first album was literally done in a day, like they went in and tracked the entire album. And just, that I did that I didn't know. Yeah, and then and then it was you know mixed and made. Ozzy did two vocal passes, doubled his stuff. I mean, maybe he did some multiple takes, but yeah, it, they they really cranked them out back then. Obviously, very different time and. Still, it's it's all just flat classic stuff. I'd have to agree, man. Those that's some of that old sort of heavy metal innovators, if you will, are, are definitely some of my favorites as well. Yeah, yeah. I like a lot. Also, um, I mean, from the new, from this new generation. Uh, I mean, not from the new, but from the nineties. I like a lot. Uh, Dave Lombardo from uh, he was on Slayer, right? He was super fast as well. Um, uh, Nick Menza, Megadeth. Uh, oh, yeah. Love Nick Menza, yeah. Yeah, Best Away, playing drums. Yeah, he yeah. had a heart attack. I believe yep. it was a heart attack on stage at the uh, um, yep. uh, the Baked Potato. And uh, I, f- I could be wrong. Um, was he... Uh, I, I kind of want to Google this now. I wonder if he was playing with Ohm, with Chris Poland's band. Because I actually saw Ohm there. I've met Chris Poland a, a couple of times. And... Oh, uh, cool. I, when I saw, there's an interesting drummer story. When I saw um, Ohm, the whole reason I went, it's a tiny little place, 100 people. I mean, it's a small little, very famous sort of jazz fusion club in, in uh, L.A. And I think there might be a couple of them. But anyway, I went there to see Chris Poland with this fusion rock sort of jazzy band. Um, and they just blew my mind. They were amazing. And this was back around, it must have been around 2004 or something, because they had he had just recorded... Um, the system has failed with Megadeth. Mm-hmm. It's like he came back and recorded on that one album. And so uh, I got to talk to him a little bit after the show. And we were, we talked about Megadeth a little bit, but the whole band was, so it was just a trio and they were, they were so great. And so then I was, Oh, Hey, great show to the bass player, this and that. And then the drummer was, I was just floored. And I went up to say, you know, hi to the drummer. I was like, man, it was amazing. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, do you have any formal training? Or I'm just wondering where in this, and he just goes, well, you know, my dad. And he had this like English accent. And I, and I just, and then he, I looked at him and I was like, holy shit it was kofi baker it was ginger baker's son so i was like oh well <laughs> i guess that makes sense doesn't it yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny i mean looking this up now out of curiosity yeah it's a damn shame man he died really young nick menza yeah really oh, how, how long ago was that now so when he died years it oh it's two wow 2016 yeah. 2016 yeah okay i was also so proud when vinnie paul died that was also shock oh yeah yeah yep. no kidding 
Yep, he was yeah. playing. He was playing with Ohm when it happened. Um, yeah, sad. Wow. I had the opportunity to play side by side in Dallas downtown with uh, Vinny Apice, uh because uh, there is a, a a thing called Dramaton um, every year. It's, uh, uh, it's like um, drums drummers uh, raising awareness about breast cancer and all that stuff. And Vinny Apis always come. Um, uh, usually come for this event, so you 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 pay a little bit to play. Uh, you, it's almost like a donation, right? So you play side by side. So I had a chance to play with uh, Vinny Apis. You know Vinny Apis from Dio, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, man, you, the thing about Dio is there. For whatever reason, I love Dio. Every time their songs come on, I crank it. And I love it, but. I never, I don't know, I never remember the names of the guys. Like, I, every time I hear a Dio guitar solo, I'm just like, this is amazing. And I, and I've yet to like go, who the hell is this? Why don't I, why does this not stick in my brain? Yeah. I, I don't remember the name of the guitars or, or bass, but I remember the drum, of course. But as, he's played uh, with, uh, he's played with quite a few people, hasn't he? Yeah. Vinny, uh, I mean, Vinny Apple has actually played with Sabbath and Heaven and Hell. I may have, I'm, yeah, you know what? I, I wonder if he was playing because I was, uh, I saw them mm, 2008, maybe somewhere in that. I saw Heaven no, and Hell you, in, yeah, in, uh, with probably, Judas Priest. Yeah, you probably saw in 2007. That was the Heaven and Hell yeah, uh, re, Dio. Re, re, yes. two of Dio. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Vinny Apis for sure. Yeah. yeah because uh, I, I went to that show here in, uh, in 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 Dallas. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, I, I'm so glad I had the opportunity to see Dio because without a doubt, is one of the best singers of all time. I agree, yeah. Uh, Craig Goldie. We're giving him a shout-out. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> Destio's guitar player. <laughs> oh, wow, Doug Aldrich. Uh, I didn't know he was uh, playing. Well, I guess he's had a lot of guys with him. Yeah, and, and man, that's been a, quite a while. How When did Dio pass away? Has that been that's pushing I think 10 more years? Than 10, more than 10 years. Yeah, I think this, this was the 10th really? anniversary, I believe. Uh, God, wow. man. Yeah. doesn't seem like that long ago. No, yeah, he 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 passed away in 2010. That's right. This year wow. was the 10th anniversary. I remember because I I purchased one of the T-shirts from his website. It was a, a like a promotional 10 years uh, anniversary T-shirt. Uh, hey, do you guys know anything about the whole um, what do you call it hologram Dio thing? I would imagine this would even be something that would be discussed even more in our current situation with you know not concerts not happening and this kind of stuff. But the um, wasn't they there were, supposed to be some sort were, of hologram thing? Yeah, they were here last year. Uh, in, well, that in, happened. At, at, okay. at the, yeah, it did happen. They, they were they were at Bomb Factor uh, here in Dallas last year. I thought about going, but then I was like, well, you know what? I'm not going. You know, it's, it's I don't want to just see a freaking hologram. So we say that now. Twenty years from now, we'll just be like, "Well, shit, everyone we like is dead." I guess I'll just watch a hologram concert. Yeah, it could. <laughs> or it I'll could just see. Sit in our recliners and watch YouTube. Yeah, talking about <laughs> that, we 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 lost uh, last week. We lost Martin Birch, uh, which was the producer of uh, the first uh, probably six, seven Iron Maiden albums. He produced everything from Killers until Life After Death. Uh, so big loss for the Maiden family, Martin Birch. Yeah did you did you catch them when they came to Austin for the first time in like? 30 years what was it oh no i was uh, in brazil still right moving 2003 
Okay. Well, I, I thought they came. What was that show we went to? Remember at Coda Skunk? Because you were there. That was relatively recent, wasn't it? That was maybe five years ago or something. Maybe, I think so. Or maybe even more recent. Megadeth opened that show, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that was yeah, that was relatively recent. I was that was the first time I'd ever seen him. And I mean, it's one of those bands you hear about and you know they're gonna be great, but I was just like, yeah. wow. I mean, and and what was so amazing too was just the energy, you know. You see these bands that have been around since the seventies, it's just running around and killing it like they're twenty years old. Totally <laughs> insane. Yeah. I mean, just you know, and it was just like, Wow, this is amazing. Yeah. And the visuals yeah, were great. Out, yeah. yeah, it was it was awesome. Yeah, they broke out one of their old sets, the uh the seventh sun set. That's uh, right. For yeah. the show. Yeah. So it was like that whole ice. Yeah, they had a lot of uh, a lot of visual changes, I think, too. And speaking of, yeah. I think he did the flag, you know. I guess that's a staple running around with the with the British flag. I'm pretty, you, pretty sure. Are talking about the first uh the seventh son tour? Or no, 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 that's the last the... time they came here a few years back. Uh, oh, so I wasn't yeah. that show, it was 2013. Oh, okay. Was yeah. it that long ago? Jeez. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was. I wasn't that sure. It was. It was on the. Oh, it was on the Austin's um, race circuit. What, what is yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Circuit uh, of America. Exactly. Circuit yeah. of America. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, okay. I was there. Yeah. I was already leaving Dallas, but I drove uh, just for that show. Uh, so I was there. How many times yeah, have you I've... seen Maiden? Sorry, Vic. Uh, probably, okay. probably fifteen times. Are there any? Uh, particular shows that stand above the rest always yeah i mean rock and rio was a huge experience rock and rio 2 right in 2001 because it was 150,000 people uh, it was <laughs> wow. crazy i mean when the, when that crowd started moving you just you just navigate my 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 feet were not on the floor uh, i had no control over me you just like moving with the crowd yeah. it was crazy Huge experience it was during the Brave New World uh, tour. Uh, so that show was really epic. Uh, then I watched, then the second one, I think, will be the one in, in, in London. It was an amazing experience. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Did you, ever, uh, did you ever catch them when they had Blaze Bailey singing? I never saw uh, Dan with Blaze. I saw Blaze, Blaze by himself uh, in Brazil. Right. When he he broke up with Iron Maiden and, and um, when he left Iron Maiden actually and started uh, his own band Blaze, uh, he went to Fortaleza, my hometown, and uh, they play in a small venue. I had opportunity to go backstage and talk to him, so it was cool. Yeah, yeah, I caught I caught one of their shows with him in like ninety six, ninety seven, like it was after after I got home from the military and they were playing small venues, but I do remember seeing them in a small, small venue, but uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting. I mean, he, he was good, but yeah, totally different, totally different uh, style vibe to it. Yeah. But yeah. But when Bruce came back in 2000, it, it changed the game because Bruce has yeah. such a, a amazing voice and, and the band uh, was more mature uh, as they say, well, in the past, it was a bunch of uh, young guys. There was a lot of ego now they 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 enjoy more according to what they usually say you know uh the book of souls tour i remember that was a huge tour in 2015 right so the book of souls i actually saw three times the same concert because i saw them in tulsa oklahoma i saw them in dallas and i saw them in seattle uh okay. same concert uh, just yeah. because it happened that i was in seattle during that time right um it was not seattle it was tacoma but you know uh, close by, 
um, and I had the opportunity to take a picture besides the Air Force One, uh, the huge Iron <laughs> plane. So that was also a cool experience. Yeah, when he when he came back for that album, I think Adrian came back too. Yep, like their other guitar player. Yeah, yeah, Adrian. Did they only have two for a little while there, or what? No, or they had three a... guitars. No, no, but I mean, when before he came back, did they have someone else? So they always had three. Uh, no, they uh, when Adrian left, Yannick Gears, you know, they call Yannick Gears, uh, yeah. replaced the um, replaced Adrian because Yannick was playing with Bruce on his uh, solo project already. So Bruce just brought uh, Yannick uh, to the band. So when when Adrian came back in 2000, then they start having three guitars. I see. Okay. Okay. You know, you made me think of uh, the when you're saying the uh, rock and Rio thing. Like uh, the one experience I've had, I've been to a lot of concerts and a lot of big concerts. But one of my, one of the early ones in the mid '90s was uh, when I saw Metallica. And uh, and remember, Fight Fight was one of the opening bands. That's uh, yeah. with Rob Halford. Rob and, Halford. Uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not positive about this, but I. The guitar I've heard, or I, I'm this is like completely who knows if this is accurate or not. But the guy from Steel Panther may have been the guitar player for that band. I could be totally wrong. I try to, I can't think of his name, but anyway, I might be way off on that. Blah blah blah. Fight suicidal tendencies mm-hmm. uh, back in the day, you know. And uh, but anyway, when Metallica, and so that was all cool. It was a very long thing, at like some racetrack outside of Houston or something. And um, that was all cool. And then you know the sun goes down. There was this big big thing and everyone starts packing up and there's massive crowd and metallica came on and they opened with bread fan and as soon as they started playing I'm like everyone it just you were in such close proximity and the entire crowd was sway i've never had another moment quite like that at a concert where i mean it was like you said you you couldn't move you were just part of this huge body of people right sort of <laughs> moving as a whole and it was it was incredible man yeah yeah it's crazy yeah. And I mean, that was probably a, you know, a third the size of, of what, you know, what you experienced. Yeah. 150,000 people. That's it's insane. insane. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. I remember, I remember that I arrived at the, the venue around 1 PM and we just, my wife and I, we just walk around uh, that huge place and we said, well, we need to settle because this thing is going to start to pack and, we we not gonna have opportunity to to find a good place. So we were relatively close to the stage, and then start a lot of people. And then the first band was Sepultura. Man, it was crazy because wow. they have mosh pit, and uh, you just couldn't do anything. I mean, it's too many people pushing you around. Uh, but it was it was tough. It was tough. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, gladly I was uh, young enough to handle that because I don't think I I'll be able to handle that nowadays. I mean. We were uh, thirst, uh, thirsty. We we were hungry. It was such a crazy experience. Yeah, it's definitely n- nice when you're younger and maybe don't have to go to the bathroom as much. <laughs> right, right. But you're not, you know, and at a couple of hours in, you're like, oh my god, my knees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. I look for a good view of the stage, Christ, far back yeah. from the crowd now. Yeah. Now you start getting that place where you're like, ah, should I get seats for this one? The last concert, you know, and we're actually going to have have my buddy Dave, who lives in Houston, lived in Houston for years, and we've grown up together and been to a lot of concerts together. And uh, I remember one time with him in Houston was one of the more recent, although I think this has been ten years now because it was the Rust in Peace twenty uh, or thirty year. I don't know what it twenty five. Maybe it was five years ago, twenty five year anniversary or something. Anyway, so. 
but that concert, I, you know, we were just like, I was like, screw it. Like Testament and Exodus opened. And that was really oh, cool. Wow. And we were on the nice. floor and everyone was doing these things where they all run together. It was really cool. But I've always been like, I've never been a mosh pit guy. I'm kind of standing on the outskirts and I'm the guy with my arms out, you know, like, nah, no. <laughs> and, uh, but then when, before Megadeth came on, we're like, you know what, let's, uh, let's get as close as we can, you know? So we, we were like right there up on the stage. And it just exploded, and I felt like I was 16 all over again, getting kicked in yep. the head and pushing people off. And talk. Yeah. And I think, you know, he ended up punching somebody. And, I mean, we just had, like, so much adrenaline. Yeah, like, it was just, like, <laughs> you know, and, like, I can't do this shit on a regular basis anymore. But it was it was fun to revisit it, you know? It's, it was fun. I had I had this experience in 2018 I uh, because I was not in Mosh Pit for a long time. But then it was the Firewell uh, tour for Slayer. So they were... Here in Dallas, oh yeah, bomb, yeah, bomb, bomb factor, and uh, my oldest daughter, she said, "I want to be uh, on the floor on the mosh pit to see Slayer." Your so daughter is sh- my hero, man. <laughs> I was like, are you, "Are you? Are you really sure? Do you know what Slayer concert is? How how people are crazy on Slayer concert?" She was like, "No, I want to experience that." I was like, "Oh shit, okay, so let's let's do it, right?" <laughs> Because I, I didn't want to do that. I knew how, how the Slayer crowd is, but it was insane. It was insane, but it was it was good. Another good reason you did all that all that physical fitness. Yeah. <laughs> Protect yeah. your daughter at a Slayer <laughs> con. Who knew? Who knew what would what was to come? It would be handy, yep. Yeah. Speaking of anniversaries, I think uh, I saw that facelift from Allison Chains is, is today. 30 years old today. Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw that. Classic. Crazy. Classic. I'm really unfortunately I never got to see the original lineup of Allison Chains. And speaking of, back in that concert, which I want to say was '96, uh, and it was out, it was Metallica headlining, of course, Suicidal and Fight with Openers, but it was supposed to be Allison Chains. But right. that was in the mid, and they were having all these problems and constant drug, you know, and so they had to drop off that tour. And so Candlebox was uh, the replacement. And nothing against Candlebox, they're not a bad band. But shit, you know, like I wanted to see Allison Chains. This happened to me three times with Allison Chains. Even when the new lineup happened, I was supposed to see him at a, at a festival in Nashville and it got rained out. Uh, there was there was some other incident. There were three times there was cancellations and I did not get to see them until I finally saw them maybe 2000, 2009 or something when they were back around. And uh, I guess it would have been the black gives way to blue or something. But um and I still think they're an absolutely phenomenal band. And I love, uh, was it William uh, Duvall? Is the, Duvall. The, I just absolutely yep. still love the new lineup, love the new music. I think it's all fantastic. But yeah, it would have been cool to see the original with Lane Staley. But yeah, man, 30 years of, you said, yeah, 30, right? Facelift. Yeah, man, facelift. Man, 90, yeah. Well, time, time when, when we look back and uh, and when I look to this, the, this new wave of, uh, music and everything i just cannot connect you know I, i'm i'm very nostalgic with the 90s and 80s as far as music yeah uh, that is not that is not <laughs> that is not really a lot of new things that uh, fires me up i mean i think the i mean there's nothing i mean there is uh, some new metal bands but i i don't really uh follow i think arch enemy the last record was was, was good i like the vo- the new vocalist uh but there is not really a whole lot of uh, new things that I uh, that I'm following, right? Uh, I used to like a lot Nightwish uh, back when it was uh, Tarja uh, as a vocal. Um, uh, although the the new the, the latest vocalist is really good too, uh, Floor Jensen. Um, 
but that's that's pretty much it. I don't have really a whole lot of uh, new metal bands that I that I follow. I was going to ask you, um, what are some bands from Brazil that we may not know about that are some stuff that you really dig? Uh, I mean, there is a lot of local bands uh, on the place that I grew up. The the metal scene there is is pretty big. There is a uh, dark side, obscure, you know, underground uh, bands. Uh, every time that I go there, I always have some sort of uh, participation in a show. Go, go there to to play one song on the on the show. Um, but as far as big bands, uh, basically Sepultura. Uh, there is a band from the 90s uh, that also was very famous and a big one, uh, classic metal, uh, called Viper. Um, so that's 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 basically it. Uh, there's not really a whole lot of uh, big metal bands that are well-known outside of Brazil. Sepultura is definitely the, the biggest one. Yeah, for sure. And, and that... Have you ever heard of a band or a group called Orapa? Is that how you say it? Do you know if, who I'm talking about? No, there's this. I believe so. I'm actually pulling it up right now. There's this song I came across years ago. Yeah, Brazilian reggae rock band from Rio de Janeiro, and I came across them years ago. And they've got a song that they do. Uh, they do a collaboration with Sepultura, and I and it's awesome. And it's like it's. I guess they're singing in Portuguese, but the chorus is just like, you know, and it's like nobody fucks with America. And it's just such a. Dude, talk about a workout song, man. It's fucking energy. It's just, I, it's so badass. And I remember playing it for a buddy one time who's, who's, you know, I, I know like Spanish and Portuguese aren't the same thing, but maybe there's some similarities. And I guess he understood enough of the lyrics. And I've actually, yeah. you know, nowadays you can translate stuff and I've asked some friends and stuff. But anyway, he was like, yeah, this is totally not a pro-American song. <laughs> I was like, I don't give a shit. It's badass. <laughs> but uh, but I, I discovered them, and I kind of was digging around with the reggae thing, and I, I kind of found some really, through this sort of Latin hip-hop phase, actually, uh, where I was, yeah, there, and there was a lot of, I, I kind of discovered some really cool reggae, hip-hop, different stuff um, from, from Brazil. But yeah, Rapa, Sepultura. Um, oh, Rapa, I know, I know. R-A-P-A. R-A-P-A, right? How, how, say it again. I say Orapa like a total honky. How do you say it? Hapa. Hapa? Oh, oh yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, thank you. So I don't have to look like an asshole for the rest <laughs> of my life in, in front of anyone who's, you know, from South America. Yeah, but they are not a metal band. They no, are, they're not a metal yeah, band. They, but they do a, band, yeah. yeah, they do a cool collaboration with Sepultura, though. So yeah. I, would, yeah. I would say check that out. Yeah. Interesting. Well, the other thing also is that the, the this... Um, Mainly on the atmosphere that we are living, there is a lot of bands that are going to, uh, too much to the political side, and and then I just don't don't have patience to 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 follow. Right, that's why I remember I when I when I saw Metallica here in Dallas so, uh, two years ago. It was 2018. Uh, first thing that James said is that here there is no politics. Here we are only one Metallica family. Blah blah yeah. blah. He started the show. Yeah. Saying, we were, we same thing. Oh, yeah, Victor up. and I saw it in San Antonio. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. got that. Yeah, he did the same thing. There. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I think that's awesome because it set this stage to say, look, we it's here for music, right? That's not, uh, you know, uh, use this stage to something else. You know, and I don't mind when sometimes songs have political stuff in the lyrics. And I mean, I know I write a lot of, you know, sort of metaphorical stuff and I'll put some of that, you know, but it's not super blatant all the time. And I, I mean, not that I don't make my, you know, 
beliefs or whatever known. Of course, yeah, you can make you can make it though. I'm not, you know, and I feel like when you're something that it because I know there's been a huge turnoff to me with certain bands and artists that when they just start getting so damn political, you're just like, geez, man, I just want you know, like a lot of people are like, I just want to come here to get away from that. I want to listen to some music and have a good time. And now you're telling me who I should fucking vote for. You know, that's yeah, yeah, exactly. Shut up and play your next song. You know, I I went I. I went to um, Roger Waters' uh, show. Very uh, political, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I almost left it. I know it's 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 unfortunate because because yeah. um, I like it, Pink Floyd and I, I love to, and nothing I is to see the original, but uh, you know that's why Dave Gilmore continued Pink Floyd and you left, man, because you are a freaking asshole. Yeah, Waters is it, Waters has never been shy about making his uh, his um, you know thoughts. But you can make, right, and you no. can make a political. You can have well, it's within the music, you know, like right. in the wall. It's very political. Yeah, but they were watching it in a sort of an operatic context, and I don't mind it. But when you're blatantly just spat, just, again, it's just like, dude, shut up. Especially with someone like him in a band like that, it's like it's so about the music and about the art, you know, and about the yeah. way it's presented in that way. So put it in that context and let us take it in as we will, you know. But we the last thing we want to do is go watch something like The Wall and have some guy up there preaching to us, you know, like literally, yes, you know. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And that's why I think that uh, when you start to vent uh, through the lyrics and you 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 sing with rage and everything, that's fine because that's part of the music and we are right. feeling the music. But you don't read to create speech or you know uh, extend that. Uh, that's that's uh, that's why uh, from the metal perspective, I appreciate the metal because metal is it tries to isolate itself from all that. And when they when we go to metal show, metal really metal, yeah. they don't do that. Uh, now, if it is more punk rock, they actually would do that uh, way more, right? I mean, I was listening to uh, John Morello talking about Race Against the Machine that some fans were. Uh, were not were throwing off uh, records of Race Against the Machine because they are too political. And they were like, "Well, what do you think the machine was all these Dude, years?" That's I mean, th- to give to, to their credit, like there's plenty of Rage Against the Machine. I think the first album is amazing. I love it, but oh, there's a lot of Rage awesome. Against the Machine stuff that I'm just like, eh. I mean, in in the whole a lot of the political stuff, I'm like, boo, whatever, don't disagree at all. But they came right out the gate like that, and you know that's what you're getting. Now the whole it's right. rage against the machine. It's a political base band. It's like Public Enemy or something. It's like you're not, you know, you know what you're getting into. It's, you're not right. going to be shocked when <laughs> you start getting a speech at a Rage Against the Machine concert. You know, true, true. Yep, yep, I agree. But yeah, like Metallica or some of these other type iconic bands that have written a, a lot of great music, a lot of which is very political. Yeah, maiden, maiden, that's yeah, never it, maiden is theatrical, and exactly, uh, exactly. And they are, and they are there to do a theatrical show. Uh, different uh, uh, moments of the show, the, the sets change. The legacy of the Beast tour is incredible because it has different sets throughout the whole show, and it's all about the music and the art, and that's how it should be. I agree. That's why you like someone like Ozzy. Like even if Ozzy was was trying to tell us who we you know how to, we wouldn't be able to understand him anyway. <laughs> Put your goddamn hands in the air. Yeah, exactly. I saw the last uh, the last tour um, of Ozzy here in Dallas with um, what's his name again? I forgot the the, the guy from uh, Black Label Society. Oh, Zach Wild. Yeah, Zach Wild. Yep, yep. He was uh, on the show as well. Was really good, really good. 
Yeah, Zach Wild. I love Zach Wild. I've seen Black Label many times, and he is a char- character. He's like a parody of himself, but just you got to love it, you know. Yeah. And it was really not a political thing, but but kind of the absurdity of it was hilarious. I remember seeing um, Black Label one time here in Austin, and it was it, he had a piano rolled out, and he was playing a bunch, just farting around a bunch before he went into I probably in this river like he always dedicates dime, and he went through this whole thing, and he's doing the you know. The, doing the cross and doing all these you know and he starts giving shout outs and then he's talking about and god bless tom landry and them like jesus christ like <laughs> just play the song man like sitting here <laughs> talking about football coaches and shit and like literally he finally goes all right i'll shut up now and like play the song he loves bodybuilding like what oh that guy yeah man yeah, I, he's he a fucking absolute it. animal total work he has a, a a really close friend that lives here in dallas steve kuglo he's a professional bodybuilder every time that he comes to dallas he invites steve oh, to go backstage awesome. yeah so hey did you uh, as someone into bodybuilding and music and, and rock and metal are uh are you into typo negative at all uh not really i never really was a fan or followed there on the band so there were some uh, uh, songs that i that I, I heard that are okay but i'm not really not your bag uh, yeah 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 i think uh peter Steele, who's uh, you know, speaking of uh i think he's been passed away i think in maybe 2009 um but yeah he was uh he used to work out in brooklyn i think he used to work out with like lou ferrigno or ferrigno's gym and knew some of those some of those guys i know he was kind of an influence to me in that way just as a musician but also someone that was fit, you know into physical fitness and stuff like that yeah, it's really hard for those guys to keep up with in, in shape with so especially, many tours yeah especially on the road for sure right it's really 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 hard now it's it's it's, it's a very difficult year for music i think with all with all the pandemic and people not able to tour and no concert so this is this is a very weird year uh, there is there's absolutely not a single year that i don't go to a concert i'm just glad that in january i saw steve harris here in dallas uh but uh i had already tickets for judas priest that they were going to play uh here in irving uh in october and it was postponed for october next year uh but i have the tickets already um uh, there were other concerts that were going to happen. Oh uh, man, Megadeth, Guns N' Roses was touring, I believe. Um, I was actually no going to catch. Uh, I was going to try and catch Sturgill Simpson on this uh, this last tour he did for this last album he put out was really good. So a little bit off the metal track, but uh, talk yeah. about somebody who's a little bit outside the norm or or the the pop the pop scene, right? So yeah, I feel like. All the national stuff has been pushed back about a, a year, more or less. Um, for me, it, it's it sucks for the fans, and I feel like the big bands will be okay, you know. But what worries me is those is all the little bars, so to speak. You know, even yeah. speaking of a place like Trees, you know, just the local businesses and a lot of these places that are long time running bars and 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 staples of the cities that they're in, and all these. Locals and nationals have played there, and I know that they're really hurting right now. So I think that's the worst part of this thing is just knowing like a lot of these places aren't going to survive because of this, you know, yeah, and well, where bands going to play. You know, there's yeah. it's really hurting the venues more than anybody, I think, in a lot of ways. Uh, what about the Sixth Street? You know, since uh, like uh, completely shut down. Well, it definitely was for a while. I mean. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't been paying too much attention because, you know, one minute everything's boarded up, the next minute everyone, everyone's protesting, then the bars are open for five minutes, everyone's acting like an asshole, and they close again, so I have no idea what's going on, but I know several bars 
here that have closed down and it's a real shame you know some some mm -hmm. some great places that have just haven't been able to stay afloat so i i don't know how it's affecting all you know all the bars and dance clubs and this and that but i, I definitely know for the live music venues that they've taken a big hit for sure now austin is from what i've seen is is definitely losing a lot of a lot of bars so yeah we'll see yeah i truly, I truly hope that we can start just a uh, new year because this year is pretty much dead um, yeah uh in in 2021 come come back with uh, some sort of uh, final solution because this cannot really go on i refuse to believe that this is the new normal i, I actually hate that phrase new normal freaking new normal what yeah what do you mean, new normal that's not you know right. that's not normal you know that's no, not normal yeah. so there's got to be some um and i don't know you know i don't know how many what what sucks and i think we were talking about this before um or, or last time Vic, was just like you know it's like well on the one hand there's a lot of pro there's protests and, and going on and all and that's fine and then certain businesses are open and certain things are happening but then the bars and other businesses aren't and i'm you know i've been very much like yeah wear a mask be precaut you know take precautions but i'm also like we can't just indefinitely shut down everything and have all these people losing their businesses especially local owned businesses and, and stuff like that so it's like we have to figure out a way like you have got to to open back up you know and i mean yep. in a safe responsible way the best we can and then give people the choice to go do things um and i mean i've been very much on you know team mask and all that kind of stuff but i think uh but i'm also not for just like okay you know tough shit you know let's just all sit you know sit at home for the next year yeah like, because for example right. sports are opening up uh exactly like i'm, I'm I mean, actually it's... i'm actually going to austin next month to compete on the uh jiu-jitsu tournament and uh and i mean if you I can mean, do jiu-jitsu you, you, yeah you, when you're, you're not going to get any no more mat. physical than that yeah exactly right. yeah <laughs> you're gonna stare each other down <laughs> yeah air <laughs> grapple <laughs> yeah ninja zoom stuff. zoom, ninja zoom stuff. grapples yeah yeah so i've got you in my up. guard let me let me adjust my camera hold on yeah <laughs> So I think uh, uh, someone has to lead the way, and I'm I'm just glad that the IBJJF they start open up. Uh, we have this tournament in Austin next month. We have another one one week after in Oklahoma City. There'll be a Pan uh, Pan Am uh, in in Florida in October. So this schedule is coming up. Are if, are these um, events open to the public? Uh, it used to be with uh, before the pandemic. Now is not right. So this is this is something that they restrict. So only the athlete and what and the coach can get in. Right. Uh, but at so least you're able to compete. Obviously, you'll have to do the the, the testing. I imagine, but um, I would imagine the com people competing are probably going to have to do that. Right. No. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Just a uh, what? Just a temperature check. I Here, would, put this I up would... your nose. Fuck you! I'll kick your ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, but it is. I, uh, I, uh, I'm glad that some sport opened up in Brazil. The whole soccer season is already open without public, but it's already open. Uh, so uh, things are getting. Yeah, I mean, at least they are, there are sports are happening. It's just without crowds, which is which is very odd for sure. But. but um it's something you know when the football season starts i don't know people are gonna lose their damn minds like that's gonna be 
At least, at least in America. I don't know about the rest of the world, but the United States, they, they need their damn football. Like that's that's a thing. Well, uh, I think that um, next year. I I always try uh, again back going back to the mindset stuff. I always try to go to look at things from the bright side, and so I uh, I have a lot of hope that 2021 will be not only be- going back better, but hopefully going back to the normal. Because I like traveling with my family, and this year we didn't travel at all during summertime. Um, so that is something that I, I really I actually had my my tickets to Brazil because my mom was uh, uh, my mom turned 80 years old, so I was scheduled to go to Brazil in July for her birthday in, in August, and I couldn't go uh, because um, it was exactly when all the flights from uh, to Brazil were banned. So the 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 the, the cancel my flight. Um, I still have the tickets uh, purchased and I can use next year, but they canceled the flight and we couldn't go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully hope being hopeful that, that, uh, something will happen soon. Um, I think they were testing some vaccines or read something about testing vaccines, but, uh, who knows with our luck, it'll probably be a suppository, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. You'll be, doc- be at the doctor's office and they'll, you know, you'll hear, uh, the, the girlfriend, Ipa Nipa, you know, in the overhead <laughs> be like, uh, yeah, be like that scene in, you know in the movie Fletch. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, we need a Moon River. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, cool. I think uh, I think we're coming up on on time here, but uh, you know, I, one of the things I was I was thinking about was, um, you know, if you had five musical moments, could be a song or just a you know something. Like your your five that stick out in your head, what would you what would you say? A song, uh, a song, or it could be a moment, you know, or or like a a song reminds you of something, or uh, you know, or maybe it's a, a concert, or you know, maybe like meeting Nico or or Steve or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, as far as song, uh, the the song that always uh, makes me reflect and and look how things start is definitely Rainmaker uh, from Iron Maiden from the Dance of Death album because it was in 2003 exactly when I came to US so that song has a really uh, special meaning because uh, I remember in 2003 before I come to US I was teaching in Brazil in a university I was a professor there uh, as, as one of the jobs right at night I was professor during the day I was a consultant but going to to the university to teach i had that song in in my cd in the car all the time and and just listening to those words that uh, the life you change and everything it, it really marked that time of change because i i basically born again i had to, to start uh learn to speak again i had to start to learn how to write again you know so it was almost like a reborn um so that's something that i remember uh really a lot and then and, and as far as uh moments i mean there are so many good moments uh of course my two daughters when they were born uh it's funny my oldest when she was born uh, the the place was actually playing a song uh from a band that i cannot remember the names uh it's uh, it was an english uh band 
Okay. Well, anyway, but it, it was another song that, uh, that I that I remember sometimes. If I listen, I, I know, but I, I don't name don't know the name of the band because it's it's not metal. Uh, it's not something that I listen constantly. So those were two extremely, you know, magical moments for sure. Meeting Nico was definitely one of those moments. Uh, mainly the first time that I that I shook his hand. Steve also was very emotional because i mean you listen to, to the guy playing since you are 11 and suddenly you are in front of the guy and the guy hey the guy look at you and say hey mate how's it going i was like whoa shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh so those were those are definitely good moments uh, uh and, I, and i think arriving in the us it was was also extremely magical because it was almost like i was in a movie without captions, uh, everyone is speaking in English, and I was trying to look for a translation, and it was <laughs> so bizarre that suddenly I was in that place uh, that I always dreamed about living, and uh, it was happening. That was really, really, uh, really a good moment. Very cool. And people take the, those things for granted, you know. That's uh, something that I. Uh, something that I always uh, tell to my friends in the US I said look you have no idea uh, what is you know what you actually have here the opportunities that you have here because you grew up with this in your hands I mean around you so you take for granted I mean so glad and, you said that yeah yeah it's it's really uh, opportunities that you are able to do here my life completely changed coming to us and and I always gonna be thankful for for the country to enable me to do that, right? Right. Uh, uh, and and I, I got really pissed when people don't see those opportunities. Uh, yeah. They don't don't appreciate uh, what they have. Say, oh, well, go go to a third world country and stay there for one year and see what reality is. You know, uh, you will change your mind uh, rapidly. But don't yeah. go there as a tourist. Go there to try to live, to pay your bills, to try to have a house. Or to try to buy something nice, and then you go on the street and someone rob you with a gun in your in your head, uh, because that's how it is. So, yeah, no place is perfect, but I mean, it, it's always irked me as someone who's you know is from here, and you hear that story all the time with like we were saying, or you know, one of your heroes and so many Arnold, you know, people who came here for the American dream and made it happen, you know, and it's sure it's got flaws and there, there's all kinds of problems everywhere in the world but you hear that time and time again i think especially like you were saying oh we had to wait six months for an iron maiden album and this and that you know and all these things that we just take for granted it's right here at our fingertips in this country sometimes and it's like well, man dude like you i remember going to philadelphia uh in 2008 my wife was pregnant uh we went there just to watch iron maiden by the way uh, <laughs> uh and we went to philadelphia uh, first, because the Iron Maiden show will be in New York, so we were going to Philadelphia and then New, actually New Jersey. Um, and I said, I need to see Rocky statue in Philadelphia. I mean, I'm here. I gotta run those stairs, you know. So that was not a cool moment. I was like, dude, I need to run those stairs. I saw that on the movie when I was probably 12, you know. So it was fantastic to to just run i'd run that stairs and i they, I, I went to the top and i jump and i saw rock statue dude it's those things you are priceless you know 
I have one more question regarding that. Did you ever drink raw eggs? <laughs> <laughs> when I was young, I did. Oh God! <laughs> when I was young, is that I did. the trick to bodybuilding? That's that's the one. That's the thing they don't tell you. It's like you got to drink raw eggs, man. <laughs> chase chickens. Yeah, chase chickens, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's so uh, that's amazing. I mean, there's so many cool memories. And, and again, I, I, I try to emphasize this uh, not only to, to the people that I talk, but also to my daughters. I say, well, the, you are growing up uh, in a place that gives all these opportunities. So make sure that you not only make it happen, but that you appreciate that. Uh, I think it's extremely important uh, to be thankful. That's great, man. Awesome. Well said. So your book, Ready, Set, Achieve, Amazon.com. Right. Yeah. Available for all the IT people uh, that wants just to have another book, cybersecurity or Azure. Just go to Amazon.com, type "You Read the Origins," and you'll see a bunch of books there. There we go. Awesome. Cool. Well, up the irons, man. Up the irons, my friend. Thank up you the for irons. the invitation. I think the thank you was great. Uh, looking forward to uh, advertising this podcast. So many cool things. Uh, we we need this type of conversation uh, nowadays more than ever to really get away from from the news, uh, from Facebook political discussion. You know, we need to, to have this type of uh, uh, moments of sanity. Agreed. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Pleasure to meet you, man. Awesome. Enjoyed Pleasure chatting you. with you. Yeah. All right. Absolutely.